This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello? Hello? Will? Will? In November of 1983, a monster slays a research scientist at a Department of Energy facility at Hawkins, a small Indiana town. During the ensuing chaos, a test subject, a little girl named Eleven, also escapes. The monster is later connected to the disappearance of Will Byers, a Hawkins native. While local authorities search for Will, Eleven managed to elude a squad of federal agents. Will's mother, Joyce, thinks she makes contact with her missing son over the phone, but the line shorts out, severing the brief garbled contact. Will's friends, Mike, Lucas, and Dustin, decide to form their own search party. While they don't find Will, they do run into Eleven, who's lost in the woods. Welcome to Dungeons and Demogorgons, the officially unofficial podcast for Stranger Things on Netflix. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we just watched Season 1, Episode 1, the the premiere. Uh, I forget the name of it. Chapter 1, The Vanishing of Will Byers. It's a fitting name for this one, because uh, Will, Will goes missing. What do you think of this episode? Uh, man, it's, I, I, can, can we talk about our experience with Stranger Things? Sure, yeah, with? yeah. Because, like, it's been, uh, it's been a year since I've seen this. Uh, I was, like, uh, I think a week or two into it release when I started watching it, and at the time, my wife and I were house shopping, and we watched the first four episodes. Uh, we did, I, I, I do this thing where before I buy a house, I, like, park on the street, Mm-hmm. by the house during like a friday night to see like you know oh friday nights where all the crazy things happen <laughs> so we parked in this dark alley and we watched it on my laptop uh pipe through my car's speaker system uh and it gave this like you know this is we start like 11 o'clock at night running through like you know 3 a.m and it gave it like a real drive-in through and, like, I also, you know, I'm, like, the perfect age for this to hit me. I was born in 76, so, like, in 1983, I'd have been 7 or 8. These kids are a little bit older, but, like, you know, recognizably dressing the way a kid. Uh, it's set in a small Indiana town. I am from a small Indiana town. Oh, my, my. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and this was, I guess, filmed <laughs> in Georgia, but, huh. you know, the okay. way they the way they filmed and lit and shot some of this foggy stuff, it de- it definitely rec- it, it's recognizably stands in for, for rural Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's about this kind of band of misfit boys. I was a misfit boy myself. Uh, so I, it, it really spoke to me. And in this kind of, like, timeless Spielberg, Stephen King. I, and the other thing is it 
it intentionally apes all those things yeah. with the like Stranger Things font looks just like one of like you know Stephen King's 1980s titles. Uh, mm-hmm. and to the extent that I actually thought the conceit was this was a Stephen King novel I just <laughs> never heard of that's uh, been uh-huh. adapted into a Netflix series. And I remember after I finished it, like, oh, I can't wait to read the novel. This is going to be cool. And then, like, no. <laughs> but that that's, I think, a, a testament that they're able to capture uh, the things that made some of that, like, Stand By Me and It and E.T. special, but also something wholly unique, the, the, the yeah. Duffer Brothers doing that. Um so I I I thought the series as a whole was was awesome in this first episode. Amazing job at 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 pacing and moving through a mm-hmm. big cast of characters. Like when it was over, I couldn't believe. Like I'm like, "Holy shit, that was it. I thought we, I'd been watching this for 25 minutes or so." No, it's a 48-minute episode that you're right feels like 25. Um and and just I I'm super impressed with like you said the efficiency of it, but also the quality of it, you know, yeah. they're not just skipping through this. They're doing a really good job introducing us to all these characters. And in retrospect, it's it's weird that like some scenes like um, Nancy flirting with her new boyfriend don't drag because they establish the mm. stakes are life and death. This monster slaughters a full grown man. Uh-huh. Uh, it abducts or does something to this little boy. Uh, there's a little girl in danger who and a man gets killed in the diner for trying to protect her. And yet it keeps going back to these mundane, just kind of like everyday things. And you've got a, a frantic mother juxtaposed against an apathetic law enforcement officer and like all this <laughs> danger uh, juxtaposed against these teen romances. Yeah. And you'd think it would try your patience. Like, Jesus Christ, can we get back to the Demogorgon or whatever? But it, <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it never does. Um, and, and I think that's a testament to how good all of the characters are. Um, th- these – the friends of Will – are, in my opinion, like the highlight. And it's probably because I identify so much with them, right? Like you said, I grew up in an Indiana town, and it's like, okay, this is me. Right. This is totally me. Uh, And they each have their own distinct personalities, and they play so well off of each other that uh, that that opening scene, the the cold open that they do with not the the monster killing the research scientist, but them playing Dungeons & Dragons is so fantastic. And I... I immediately like Mike because I think Mike is a great DM here. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, it, you know, he could he could sit back and say, okay, well, I guess I'll wait here until fucking what's-his-face Will uh-huh. makes his decision and and just let it be. But he, he keeps pressing and he keeps pushing, right? He yeah. ratchets up the tension and the yeah. anxiety until he forces Will into a decision. And I, I think that's, like, a really good move on a DM's part. Yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, it's funny because this is, like, this is classic Hollywood. It's it's your memories only perfect and better because yeah. there's no fucking way an 11-year-old would have that no. kind of presence to be that kind of DM. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it looks fun and it encapsulates all the, the memories you have of playing board games or role-playing games with your friends. Yeah. Uh, and it's got this heightened realism to it. Mm-hmm. Like, man, like, these are my friends only, like, cooler. And I love the little nods that it gives to, I guess, Will's impending disappearance, right? Like, yeah. when he says, oh, I rolled a seven, the Demogorgon got me. Yeah. It's like, oh, I see what you did there. Right. Good stuff. And then the X-Men comic that that he wants from Dustin. Right. Um, I don't know. It's There's a lot of little touches like that, not just in the setting and the, the feel, but also in these characters. And also does a lot of... Um, 
it believably kind of in the same way that Goonies does, where they set this thing where like the kids have this feeling that the adults aren't taking the situation as serious as they need, or they need to take it into yeah. their own hands, and it sets a stage where they can do like it's nothing. They don't. It, it's nothing splashy. They just put on raincoats and they go outside mm-hmm. and look for their friend. Um, and they sneak out of their house and have like this adventure. And that's like I think that really rings true. And that's another thing is like I forgot. Um, I grew up in a small neighborhood in a rural town that had a lot of my family that lived in it. And like my cousins and I would communicate via giant walkie talkies <laughs> our parents bought from Radio Shack. Uh-huh. Which we didn't come up with that idea on our own. I there was another there was another movie. Maybe it was maybe it was Flight of the Nav or Flight of the Navigator. Uh, there's something to introduce that hmm. into our consciousness, and we begged and whined and pleaded until our parents got us walkie-talkies. Yeah, but like, so, so fucking cool. Cloak and Dagger. No. Oh yeah, yeah. I, that's what was I'm saying. Like, cloak and Dagger is the other thing that got me into role-playing games because yeah, yeah. the intro scene of that is, you know, live action, and then it pulls away, and it turns out they're playing this like cool cloak, you know, spy versus spy role-playing game. Uh-huh. Uh So yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the important part of like having the kids go out there is I, I always felt like they could do something. Yeah, like I, I they're kids, and yeah. like, may, but maybe they'll find a clue. Maybe they'll right. Maybe they'll figure it out just from pursuing it more right. vigorously than the adults. Yeah, and the fact that there's also consequences and danger. Like I, this feels like a time yeah. of a universe that might kill, uh, uh, the, the one of the boys. Will. Uh, yeah, the one who disappeared. <laughs> might might yeah, kill Will, or might kill Mike, or Michael Dustin yeah, might yeah, kill yeah. might kill any of them. Eleven might die. Yeah, like the kids are, they're smart, but they're age appropriate smart. It's not like they're smarter than the the, the adults. They just have different priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it's the thing is like we're doing this podcast from the perspective of being respectful for people that are just going through this for the first time. We're trying to do a refresher for people that want to catch up. Uh, before the new season, and also if you know have a companion for you, uh, someone that kind that kind of captures that first time through feeling. Yeah, man, I have a lot of comments on these characters first time through. Okay, uh, I I guess second time through from a a first timer's perspective, this cop Hopper, yeah, is really gross. Like I I don't even know what the point of brushing your teeth is if you're going to then <sighs> take a big drag off your cigarette and wash down pills with old beer <laughs> like why why th- why that order it removes plaque brush your teeth afterward <laughs> yeah true 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 um i uh but he's i mean he's the least offensive there's this this science teacher who looks like the perviest man alive <laughs> I, it's his mustache it's his hair it's his smile it's everything that's I just yeah, that's, can't, that's I can't why it was so it. hard as a kid in the 80s because like all science teachers looked like pedophiles. They, I guess that's so. just like the 80s everyone looked like kind of va- vaguely failed perverts. So like as a kid you just <laughs> didn't, you know, you just didn't know who to keep out, uh, an eye on. Yeah, he was a little it's he the was mustache. a little yeah, he and he was a little, I don't know. Um uh, yeah, he's fine. O- over anxious to maybe uh, over eager to something. to help these boys out. I don't know. Not really. He seemed just like a helpful. I mean, that's the thing teacher, we, we talked about like, this like on we used to we did his back to the future podcast a, a while back, and it's like that thing where it's like there's really nothing wrong 
to have an older non-family mentor in your life. In fact, it's a great thing. Sure, yeah. Yet, because of just a vanishingly few things that have happened in the history of mankind, that's yeah. seen with suspicion. Like, right. in real life, Doc, Doc Brown would be persecuted as a potential pedophile, and M- Marty's family would never let him just go over there and spend hours and hours and hours in yeah. this kooky, dark, weird, experimental <laughs> house dungeon thing. Yeah, they'd be like, but, well, why doesn't Doc come over here? Right, we'll, we'll, yeah. Where we can keep an eye on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just always ranting and raving about plutonium and terrorist <laughs> and, and density, so uh-huh. you're never going over there again, Morty. But that's... Um, but here, here we're 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 perpetuating. This guy's taking a genuine interest in these outcasts, and we're fucking we're fucking with them. We're fucking with them. I'll try not to. He's a he's a great guy. He's the guy that gets hassled because he's at a park without kids. Like you know, yeah. get out of here, pervert. Uh, and that's the other thing. I mean, he's like, in school. He has no option but to interact with these kids. Well, I'm plus, sorry. Like, that's the other thing. Is like everyone be mo- like it's the other thing is it's striking is these kids are just driving around at night. You know, they got headlights in their bikes. Oh, and their yeah. parents aren't like you know super up their asses about it. And like that would never happen again today. Yeah. Uh, nothing has happened in the ensuing thirty years except for crime has continued to fall. Mm-hmm. And particularly violent crime, and yet everyone is super – like every single time something happens, it no matter where it is in the nation or even world, it's front page news and rammed down her throat. So yet – so parents sure. are ultra, ultra afraid and cautious. Yeah, I wonder if people who are – you know, maybe if you're like 20 and you grew up a decade ago, you were the age of these kids a decade ago. Yeah. And you weren't allowed to go do things like this, like ride your bike Most at night. Most kids probably are, not even in the country anymore. That's the thing. I wonder if they look at this and say, that's so fucking stupid. That right. would never happen. Yeah. I'm here to tell you it did happen. Yeah, right. I rode my bike around the neighborhood all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sun, sun down, sun set, sun rise. It doesn't matter where the sun is. I'm riding my bike. Yeah. As long as I checked in before I went to bed, everything yeah. was pretty much cool. It's the 80s for you, man. It's the 80s. It's the 80s. We were uh, in more danger, but blissfully unaware of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I also the other thing about watching this um, the Sheriff Hopper guy, I forget his name, the actor, but I've since learned that since, since the last season that he's been tapped to play Hellboy. And I've seen a couple of makeup, some, some test footage and stuff, and he looks amazing. And what was interesting is when he put on, like, you know, because he's kind of like this helpless, you know, shiftless, dirtbag, small-town sheriff. Mm -hmm. But he kind of flips into serious investigator mode. And how he's interacting with his men, that kind of detached way of, like, lost in his thoughts. And, like, it reminded me a lot of Ron Perlman's performance as Hellboy in the first two Hellboys. So, like, I at first when I heard, like, Sheriff Hopper is going to be a Hellboy? That doesn't make any fucking sense. But I've since seen him. He looks legit. Mm-hmm. I can already see the performance right here as, uh, you know, he'll be obviously a more, I don't know, he's investigating a Demogorgon, uh, the Prince of Darkness. Like, I, I've made, maybe <laughs> it's just going to be a Stranger Things prequel or something. Uh-huh. Uh, Hellboy got a skin bleached and, and got a dehornment <laughs> procedure and a, a, a right-handed doomectomy, or is it the left-handed doom? And, and he's, he serves, he's, hanging, he's hiding out in Hawkins, Indiana. But I'm excited for Hellboy uh, vicariously through... Uh, Hopper's performance here in uh, in 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 the Stranger Things, and also nice. they also set up this um, Winona Ryder as Joyce. Like they're setting her where she seems like she's pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, and it's the perfect example of a person who just you wouldn't believe. Like she's got a very tenuous grasp on reality, and she's got all these damaged relationships and. 
Um, I thought it was interesting also when she finally, like, she didn't think the police were taking her serious. And then when the police came out and started taking her seriously, she's like, you know, the, the sheriff's like, huh, wonder what the dog's freaking out about. Oh, he's probably just hungry. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. on, lady. Do it's you want nothing. an investigation or not? You know? Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, I like that. And I feel like Winona Ryder did a, did, did a really great job of establishing this kind of fragility, but also like a fierce mama bear type character yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're just under a month to go until Badass Fest 6. Each year, we take the blockbuster month of July to celebrate the 80s and 90s action stars we grew up with. Big guns, big muscles, bigger explosions. If it's dumb, fun, and kicking ass, we love it. This year, we're inviting you to our hometown to watch a secret badass film with us. Afterwards, we'll record the podcast. Get your tickets and full event info at baldmove.com slash live. No hints about the movie, except we're pretty sure most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be a real crowd pleaser. Our neighborhood theater features a full bar, all your favorite snacks, and we'll be providing some custom movie-themed cocktails. It's happening Friday, June 21st at 7 p.m. right here in the Queen City, Cincinnati. Get full details and tickets now at baldmove.com slash live. And hey, if you'll be in town on Saturday and have an appetite for outdoor adventure, join Aaron on an optional side quest as he guides a group of intrepid bald move kayakers down our national scenic river, the Little Miami. Once again, get full details on all main and side quests and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live. Hey, the boys are back in town. Just in time to heat up summer, our favorite blood-soaked, darkly humorous deconstruction of the superhero mythos returns on Amazon Prime Video. The boys Season 4 gets started on June 13th, but we'll get the drop on them with our preseason preview coverage the week before. It's been a while. A lot's happened since last season. Two whole years, a labor dispute, that kind of thing. But we'll be catching you up on all the major plot points and character beats as we left things off. Plus, we'll be looking at the trailers and latest news to piece together what to expect. I know one thing to expect. Right off the bat, they're dropping three debut episodes for the premiere. Woo! But otherwise, who knows? Will Gus Fring reveal why he has absolutely no fear of Homelander? And while we're on that topic, will Butcher and the Boys figure out a way to stop Christian nationalist Superman? Will those crazy kids, Monster Man and Starlight, find a way to make things work? Come laugh, cry, and maybe even throw up in your mouth a little with us as we discover the answers for ourselves this season of The Boys. Find it by searching for the Department of Homelander Security wherever you listen to podcasts, or subscribe to Ball Move Pulp to get all our coverage of sci-fi, fantasy, and superheroic entertainment. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good about the acting in this, uh... Everybody feels like 
they're there to play the character that they signed up for, not to to showcase themselves or anything. Yeah. Yeah. They're just there to be the be the character, um, and that goes all the way back to L, who we haven't talked about yet, um, which is a little girl who escapes from whatever facility she's at, mm-hmm. uh, where the Demogorgon struck. Uh, she's. I'm I'm going to say she gets better because she actually starts speaking. Uh, not more than no mm-hmm. at some point in this series, but uh, even in this episode, I think she's she's good. It's it's such a reserved performance. But it needs to be. Yeah, she's playing um, what she needs to play. Right, and she's she's like the the key to me thinking that the kids have a chance at doing better than the adults here, right? Because, because there's some mysterious powers that yeah. she seems to have. Whether there's she's a little like, bit, she's she's an X Man. Yeah, we, we don't know fully her powers, but we see her stop a fan with her with the power of her mind. We see her slay. Yeah, two armed adult agents. Um, some some telekinetically or somehow. Right. Uh, so you're right. There is. That's what you know. When they hook up at the end, you're like, okay, this could be their X factor. That 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 is. It's, it's yeah. It's in. I mean, we know that she's incredibly dangerous because uh-huh. we also, you know, all the things I just said make her incredibly dangerous. But also, she could be the edge the boys need to to, to crack this thing wide open. Yeah, and that's the kind of the key to all of these sort of '80s adventure movies that we loved growing up. Is yeah. The kids were always the the linchpin of the thing, right? Like, that's what makes it to me feel like those movies from the eighties. You got yeah. Elliot from ET. You right. got the, the Flight of the Navigator. You got the Goonies. Like, those are all about the kids, right? And that's that's what they do. They nail it so well in this series, right? And almost like this thing where these these children understand things at this intuitive emotional level, where the adults yeah. uh, get hung up in the logic. And what's what you know? And obviously, that's why kids are dumb and adults are smart. <laughs> but in an instance where really freaky shit are happening, yeah. it's like that might be an advantage, right? Because logic will just get you killed, mm-hmm. and it's well, that's it's it's there's nothing to be afraid of in the dark. Bullshit. There's uh, a whole other dimension with demonic things in it that you need to be aware of, and kids will just take that like that, <laughs> yeah. that threat seriously at face value, whereas adults will like, oh no, try to minimize it. And I, I think that's that, that's. All those movies you mentioned are essentially that, like a little kid mm-hmm. that gets a secret knowledge that adults just won't believe, yeah, and that makes them the hero of the story, right? Um, and the, you know that's other things. Like, it makes me sad when I see children's performances in like The Walking Dead or American Horror Story, um, and I don't know how. I, I don't know whether it's casting. I don't know if these kids are just naturally more talented. I suspect it's a lot about the the writing. Like you have to know, you have to have you have to have a deep understanding and respect for childhood to write convincing kid dialogue, and yeah. then you have to have a director that knows how to get the performances out of. All of them are essentially amateur. Uh-huh. Like none of these kids have they they didn't go to fucking Juilliard. <laughs> They're not classically trained method actors. Right. You have to you have to you have to work hard to get the performances out of them, and so few people don't. Mm-hmm. They just cast a chubby cheeked blonde kid and want him to put a pouty face on and just just rely on people's concern for kids this show really yeah. sweats those performances and and it it shows yeah and they shove adult dialogue into their mouths and say hey it's coming out of a kid so it's a kid right yeah good, good luck with that right uh but i think they're really leaning into this idea of um the kids being the thing here uh especially like like that creativity and that imagination, because you look at Joyce and we we see a flashback, which I think was super essential because Will is 
barely a character in this first episode. Uh-huh. Um, he has, you know, his moment with Dungeons and Dragons and the Demogorgon. And then he has this flashback with his mother in the tent uh-huh. or the castle buyers, um, which I really like because it does a lot to service Will's character. But it also, I think, sets up this idea that she is sort of willing to play along with with his, you know, kid, kid notions of everything yeah. and his imagination. Uh, and, and they also... I think speak to that when they talk about Nancy and how she used to be part of the the pack a little bit, right? Like right. four years ago, she dressed up as an elf or whatever in one of their campaigns. And I think since losing that, she that potentially puts her at danger in my mind. Right. Because I, I think in order to effectively combat what they're, they're witnessing here, they need to have more imagination and creativity and belief, honestly. Yeah. Um, and Nancy might not have that. Mm-hmm. I also want to talk about the soundtrack uh-huh. because, like, they have they have some really clever choices. They get the you got the 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 stuff that's composed for the show, like the theme, the like really kind of ominous synth track that plays behind a really cool Stephen King esque red blood red Stranger Thing title. But like when you know Benny, I think it's when Benny first finds Eleven, they're playing White Rabbit from Jefferson Airplane, huh, okay. which is essentially about someone having this uncanny experience. It's it's ostensibly about Alice in Wonderland, but I think it also is a stand-in for <laughs> fucking with drugs. Uh-huh. Uh, but As then, was everything in the 70s but then, and 60s. What's, what's, what's Nancy's uh, kind of douchey, preppy, big hair boyfriend? Uh, Steve. 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 Like when Steve is attempting to seduce her in her bedroom, the Toto's Africa is playing, which is like <laughs> the like the standard bear for this kind of earnest but cringy, like oh man, I wish we could do something about the like it's 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 utterly sincere to the point that it's insincere. Yeah, and like emotionally, I felt that was perfect for that scene because there's this, this, this is just a bullshit artist trying to get in this uh, right. uh, w- woman's pants. And like, I reserve the right to change my mind later on because I honestly don't remember a lot about how this plot goes. But I don't, hmm. I guess okay. I don't see Steve as a bad guy. He's, he's certainly upfront about what he's trying to do and Nancy's finding him charming and he's, he is respecting her her limits. Like when she says no, right, right. He's what backs off and starts studying again. Back to the and she cards, wasn't yeah. completely unreceptive nor uh, turned off by his advances. Like she found that. So sure. it's like I I think <laughs> I try to separate my like I, I think just like base jealousy of a guy who's just like really good with women from like <laughs> just like oh was is he douchey because he's got a punchable face because he looks like Andrew Garfield because he, he looks like a like a, a, like, Andrew Garfield wait. Is, it is that Andrew? his name? James Garfield? James I can't remember his name. Garfield Garfield? No, the guy who played Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I know not the most about. recently, but before that. I know who you're talking about. Um, is, is Or or do I uh, do I not like him because he's smarmy, or do I not like him because he's a fucking womanizing cat, or is he a potential proto-rapist? I, I, don't, I don't know. But and, right and the, now... The lines are always so fuzzy in these situations, right? Right now, the, he, I, I find it very, very little actionable information to hate on him. Like, if he showed okay. up to date my daughter, mm-hmm. I would be on high alert, but I couldn't actually put the hammer down on him, you know? <laughs> right. Just, point to that thing and say, there, that's yes. the douchey thing. Look at his hair. Do. Look at his hair. It just screams Eddie Haskell. Um, so, I, yeah, but I, 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 like that. I like that music choice and how what it says about the things yeah. going on in the show. Um, uh-huh. 
and you know also just the ambient kind of emotional uh, original soundtrack yeah the synths are strong in this so show so good and Love so them. flavorful for the 80s right yeah do you want to talk about the, the other thing is like that's the the that I find really good is they did a lot of like uh, this reminds me of like any other Golden Age show where like you go down the cast and you can't find any weaknesses. Like they cast this Chris Sullivan who had only seen before as the ambulance driver from the Nick, who is just like you know he exudes this like gruff but heart of gold persona. Yeah, and he brings all that to the table like this this ferrat you know like like you would want to piss him off, but right now he's not pissed off and he's trying to comfort a scared little girl and you just. You just yeah. you just buy it. Like he doesn't come across as a creep. No, he's the opposite of the science teacher. <laughs> yeah, and he, he he like positions him as like, oh, he can be like this guardian. And I got I remember watching the series like, oh man, it's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. But then he just gets blown away, which yeah. is you know makes makes you feel something for for Eleven, and also underlines the danger that she's in. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up killing all those people, which underlines the danger that she is. But like all these, like Matthew Modine, all these people are uh, as the the head scumbag research scientist. Um, all these people are are uh, batting well above average, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, like like the fact that you you take Chris Sullivan and throw him into like a five minute role, I thought was was super impressive. Yeah, there, there's nobody here who's doing a subpar job. No. Everybody is bringing it. No. Uh, to the extent that I guess that's the if, if we want to look forward to season two because there is a season two and it's coming out that's the one thing I'm afraid of because I I saw an interview with uh might see I heard it, an interview on Dave Dan Harmon's Harmontown podcast with the Duffer Brothers and he's like essentially you know Dan's got this rambling way of interviewing and he's stumbling around his question about like aren't you guys scared to death that you've got to now turn around to season two and they're like, well, they're we like, weren't until you mentioned no, it. They're like, S- totally <laughs> like all our adult lives. Yeah. We've been working on this yeah. script and this concept. And like, it was like a, a, a self-contained thing to say. We have no idea what happens next. And now we have to turn around another one in like less than 12 months. And we're, we are scared to death of how we're not going to crap the bed. So I mean, the preview makes it look awesome. I know, and like that's the thing. Like maybe these guys are just natural geniuses, or maybe they're smart. Like like you know, part of being a genius is also surrounding yourself with other people that are mm-hmm. geniuses. So like they get help in the writing room, and you know, they keep they already got this network of talented directors that they can lean on. And and plus, this show did well for itself. Yeah. So I imagine you could call any director. That hey, do you want to do this acclaimed, popular Steven Spielberg, Stephen King esque thing that has excellent mm-hmm. cast of young actors and distinct like you know Winona right like who is going to be like no fuck you yeah so they can they can they 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 can they can call on a, a a pretty deep cast so that's the things they got going for it the things they got going against is how do you match the passion and attention to detail of five plus years working on this professionally uh, with, with, with six months of locking yourself in and desperation. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll see if they can do it. I'm, I'm excited for it. And I think, you know, if you, if you're writing what, you know, all you really need to come up with is the plot of, of like the basic plot of season two, right? Yeah. And you can you can kind of lean on your just intuitive understanding of the setting and the time 
uh, and these characters. You're right, because the characters... In order to, to advance that plot. And I remember that that's one of the things they, they talked in about the interview is, like, they weren't even sure if they were going to continue the Demigorgon 11. Like, this might just be, like, a, like Stranger Things is an anthology about... Oh, man. Like, small-town life. But it's, like, that's kind of exciting, too. Like, if they just completely have another, yeah. like... Like, maybe this this program is also happening in Seattle, like or, like, the backwoods of Washington State, or... But I just think it's less rewarding for a, an audience. Oh, yeah. Like, I've invested time in these characters. Yeah. I want to get more of those characters. Yeah. No, for sure. And, um, you know, obviously that's the direction they took. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a good point because it's it's much easier if you've gotten – if you've taken the time to develop these rich characters, you're right. All you need is an inciting thing, yeah. an inciting incident, uh, and then you just let the characters play. Yeah. Uh, you add a few new ones to replace some of the ones you lose lost along the way. Hope they don't roll a seven. <laughs> hope they don't roll a seven, or maybe they cast protection. Yeah. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? I think that's about it. Uh, there's a there's just a, a real good vibe to this show, and it's one that I immediately liked when I started watching it. Um, yeah. And it, it carries through the rest of the series. So if you enjoyed this first episode and you haven't seen the rest of it, definitely strap in because. It's just as good, and it gets more intense and better. Now, I want to talk. Can we have a little meta discussion about the podcast? Okay. Um, Jim and I are going to try to cover season two in a binge mode format. Like yeah. we're going to take a weekend and just knock it out. So you might have noticed if you're bald, if you're bald move fans that this is not our full podcast treatment because we're leery of doing like a full on recap with heavy analysis. Um, and getting people expecting that and then going to season two and everything is a lot more shotgun and ill-prepared and because uh, right. we're just going to be we're going to be marathon <laughs> similar to what we did the first two seasons of house of cards and dan Harmon would would ask us so do you have any fears about uh disappointing <laughs> your fans in season two? Oh yeah it's it's inevitable we're not going to have uh infinite time to think about this stuff right. and research and do the definitive podcast um and also we're thinking like what is the audience like what is the what is the audience for season one of a, a podcast for a show that came out a year ago? It's well, it's probably right. for people that are returning and want to like refresh their memory or have some light discussion for the first time viewers if they're just now getting around to watching season one. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, we are going to do feedback, but it's going to be in a different format. For example. Uh, we're going to drop all of these podcasts for season one in very quick succession. We're not recording any feedback for that, but we're going to have a preview podcast where we will encourage you to send in uh, feedback to Stranger Things at baldmove.com. Because it's surprisingly hard to spell Demogorgon. Yeah. You could spell like it six wrong. different ways. And so Stranger Things, it's right there on your screen. You can pause it on Netflix. Take out the space. Add an at bald move. We're going to consider all your thoughts and predictions and fears for the the preview podcast and then we'll also be doing a wrap-up podcast for season two same deal where after you know a week has gone by or two we will do a a roundup of like everybody's thoughts and feelings and favorite moments of that season so it'll be less of because of the format uh unfortunately we can't take (laughs) we can't take feedback in the 30 minutes in between episodes that we allow ourselves to get our notes together but but we it is a big part of most of our shows and that's how we're going forward so i just want to for people that might be concerned, like, oh, this isn't the same Bald Move podcast. It's it's the format. Like, we've tried many different yeah. ways to do a Netflix show, and it seems like the best one is this. It's because then, like, there's an episode, there's there's a discussion for every every episode, and you can watch it at your own pace. And wherever you stop off, there'll be a podcast there waiting for you. 
Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a rough weekend, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for for, for season two. So yeah, the rest got seven more episodes to cover in this kind of like um, half half uh, instant take podcast format, and then we'll be back with the preview, and then we'll be set up for season two. Thanks for listening to our season one coverage of Stranger Things. If you like what you hear and want more, check out our, all of our television, movie, and pop culture content on baldmove.com. If you'd like to help support our podcast and get a ton of bonus content and features, check out club.baldmove.com. We'll also be taking feedback during our upcoming Season 1 wrap-up podcast, so send that in to strangerthings.baldmove.com. You can also discuss this with your fellow fans at forums.baldmove.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.